0: section three of a book of sibyls by anne thackeray ritchie this librivox recording is in the public domain mrs barbold part three the letters to miss belsham begin somewhere around seventeen sixty eight the young lady has been paying a visit to miss aiken at warrington and is interested in every one and every thing belonging to the place miss aiken is no less eager to describe than miss belsham to listen and accordingly a whole stream of characters and details of gossip and descriptions in faded ink come flowing across their pages together with many expressions of affection and interest my dear betsy i love you for discarding the word miss from your vocabulary so the packet begins and it continues in the same strain of pleasant girlish chatter alternating with the history of many bygone festivities and stories of friends neighbors of beaux and partners of the latter genus and of miss aiken's efforts to make herself agreeable here is a sample i talked to him smiled upon him gave him my fan to play with says the lively young lady nothing would do he was grave as a philosopher i tried to raise a conversation twas fine weather for dancing he agreed to my observation we had a tolerable set this time neither did he contradict that then we were both silent stupid mortal thought i but unreasonable as he appeared to the advances that i made him there was one object in the room a sparkling object which seemed to attract all his attention on which he seemed to gaze with transport and which indeed he hardly took his eyes off the whole time the object that i mean was his shoe buckle one could imagine miss elizabeth bennet writing in some such strain to her friend miss charlotte lucas after one of the evenings at bingley's hospitable mansion and yet miss aiken is more impulsive more romantic than elizabeth wherever you are fly letters on the wings of the wind she cries and tell my dear betsy what only that i love her dearly miss nancy aiken she seems to have been nancy in these letters and to have assumed the more dignified letitia upon her marriage pours out her lively heart laughs jokes interests herself in the sentimental affairs of the whole neighborhood as well as in her own perhaps few young ladies nowadays would write to their confidants with the announcement that for some time past a young sprig has been teasing them to have him this however is among miss nancy's confidences she also writes poems and jeux d'esprit and receives poetry in return from betsy who calls herself camelia and pays her friend many compliments for miss aiken in her reply quotes the well-known lines who for another's brow entwines the bays and where she might well rival stoops to praise miss aiken by this time has attained to all the dignity of a full-blown authoress and is publishing a successful book of poems in conjunction with her brother which little book created much attention at the time one day the muse thus apostrophizes betty shall we ever see her amongst us again says my sister mrs aiken my brother saucy fellow says i want to see this girl i think stroking his chin as he walks backwards and forwards in the room with great gravity i think we should admire one another when you come among us continues the warm-hearted friend we shall set the bells a-ringing bid adieu to all care and gravity and sing oh be joyful and finally after some apologies for her remiss correspondence i left my brother writing to you instead of patty poor soul well it is a clever thing too to have a husband to write one's letters for one if i had one i would be a much better correspondent to you i would order him to write every week and indeed mrs barbold was as good as her word and did not forget the resolutions made by miss aiken in seventeen seventy three in seventeen seventy four comes some eventful news i should have written to you sooner had it not been for the uncertainty and suspense in which for a long time i have been involved and since my lot has been fixed for many busy engagements which have left me few moments of leisure they hurry me out of my life it is hardly a month that i have certainly known i should fix on norfolk and now next thursday they say i am to be finally irrevocably married pity me dear betsy for on the day i fancy when you will read this letter will the event take place which is to make so great an era in my life i feel depressed and my courage almost fails me yet upon the whole i have the greatest reason to think i shall be happy i shall possess the entire affection of a worthy man whom my father and mother now entirely and heartily approve the people where we are going though strangers have behaved with the greatest zeal and affection and i think we have a fair prospect of being useful and living comfortably in that state of middling life to which i have been accustomed and which i love and then comes a word which must interest all who have ever cared and felt grateful admiration for the works of one devoted human being and true christian hero speaking of her father's friend john howard she says with an almost audible sigh it was too late as you say or i believe i should have been in love with mr howard seriously i looked upon him with that sort of reverence and love which one should have for a guardian angel god bless him and preserve his health for the health's sake of thousands and now farewell she writes in conclusion i shall write to you no more under this name but under any name in every situation at any distance of time or place i shall love you equally and be always affectionately yours though not always a aiken poor lady the future held indeed many a sad and unsuspected hour for her many a cruel pang many a dark and heavy season that must have seemed intolerably weary to one of her sprightly and yet somewhat indolent nature more easily accepting evil than devising escape from it but it also held many blessings of constancy friendship kindly deeds and useful doings she had not devotion to give such as that of the good howard whom she revered but the equitable help and sympathy for others of an open-minded and kindly woman was hers her marriage would seem to have been brought about by a romantic fancy rather than by a tender affection mr barbold's mind had been once unhinged his protestations were passionate and somewhat dramatic we are told that when she was warned by a friend she only said but surely if i throw him over he will become crazy again and from a high-minded sense of pity she was faithful and married him against the wish of her brother and parents and not without some misgivings herself he was a man perfectly sincere and honorable but from his nervous want of equilibrium subject all his life to frantic outbursts of ill-temper nobody ever knew what his wife had to endure in secret her calm and restrained manner must have effectually hidden the constant anxiety of her life nor had she children to warm her heart and brighten up her monotonous existence little charles of the reading-book who was bid to come hither who counted so nicely who stroked the pussy-cat and who deserved to listen to the delightful stories he was told was not her own son but her brother's child when he was born she wrote to entreat that he might be given over to her for her own imploring her brother to spare him to her in a pretty and pathetic letter this was a mother yearning for a child not a schoolmistress asking for a pupil though perhaps in after times the two were somewhat combined in her there is a pretty little description of charles making great progress in climbing trees and talking nonsense have the honor to tell you that our charles is the sweetest boy in the world he is perfectly naturalized in his new situation and if i should make any blunders in my letter i must beg you to impute it to his standing by me and chattering all the time and how pleasant a record exists of charles's chatter in that most charming book written for him and for the babies of babies to come there is a sweet instructive grace in it an appreciation of childhood which cannot fail to strike those who have to do with children and with mrs barbold's books for them children themselves those best critics of all delight in it where's charles says a little scholar every morning to the writer of these few notes End of section three.